Hey everybody, quick update before we jump into this show. This coming Sunday, February 20th at 1 p.m. Eastern, we will be live streaming an interview with a special guest who joins us to talk about American botanicals in vermouth. So now that football season's over, if you're looking to fill a gap in your Sunday afternoon, keep your eye out on social media so that you can subscribe to reminders for this upcoming live stream. All of our social media should have some sort of option for you to set a reminder. We'll be live on Facebook and Twitch. Those are the two places where you can go to watch. You can feel free to send along any vermouth or botanical-related questions to us via email, podcast at modernbarcart.com, or by messaging us on social media, and I'll try to feature them in the stream. Very soon, also, we should have the ability for you to put our live stream events directly into your calendar with a single click. So stay tuned as we continue to make improvements on our live and video content here in 2022. Now, on to the show. Modern. 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 We're prepping for a voyage. Modern. The force of an old-fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration. Why don't you make that a double? Modern Bar Cart. What's shaking, cocktail fans? Welcome to episode 222 of the Modern Bar Cart podcast. I'm your host, Modern Bar Cart CEO, Eric Koslick. Thanks for joining me for this interview episode where we track down the best and brightest minds in the spirits and cocktail world so that we can share their secrets with you. This time around, I pull up a bar stool with Nicholas Bennett. He's the beverage director over at Porchlight, a New York bar with a Southern accent. Nick has seen it all in the New York hospitality scene, and in this interview, we talk about his archipelagic journey through the enchanted aisles of many far-flung beverage programs, as well as his use of puppets and Legos to playfully educate people about spirits and cocktails. But before we start digging into everything from supper clubs to frozen Harvey Wallbangers, let's take a moment so that you can make yourself a drink. This episode's featured cocktail is the Cosmopolitan. Ever heard of it? This is a cocktail that is synonymous with that lead up to the cocktail renaissance, although it has very deep roots and is also the subject of many riffs and revisions. To make the Cosmopolitan, you'll need one and a half ounces of citrus vodka. Absolute citron or anything comparable is perfect. One half ounce triple sec, one ounce cranberry juice, and here it's important to note, use the sweetened variety. Usually stores, supermarkets will have the 100% juice, no sugar added variety. Don't go for that one. This is where you want a little bit more sweetness with your cranberry. And then finally, one quarter ounce of fresh lime juice. Combine these ingredients in a cocktail shaker with ice, give them a good hard shake until the drink is well chilled and properly diluted, then strain into a stemmed cocktail glass, most traditionally one of those V-shaped martini deals, garnish with a flamed orange twist, and enjoy. Importantly, the recipe that I just listed is Dale DeGroff's Cosmo recipe, not the original or definitive version of the drink, which is really a sort of modified daisy made with vodka instead of gin. Punch and Difford's Guide both have great resources that can walk you through the history and disputed origins of the Cosmopolitan, and we'll link to those on the show notes page, but according to DeGroff, 
the real flourish that he added was that orange twist. Flamed or unflamed, it adds a layer of aromatic complexity to the drink that just can't be achieved by vodka, citrus, and cranberry alone. The Cosmo is a drink that figures heavily into this interview, so stay tuned to learn how Nick makes his specialized riff on the cocktail later in the show. So, now that you've got a modern classic that'll make you feel pretty in pink, let's turn our attention back to the interview. In this wide-ranging conversation with Porchlight Beverage Director Nicholas Bennett, some of the topics we discuss include Nick's journey from a beer and shop bar near Montauk to a supper club in Brooklyn, and on through some of the most legendary beverage programs in Manhattan, including Booker and Dax and Amori Amargo. How making his mom's friend the worst cocktail she'd ever had kickstarted an epic journey into education, experimentation, and creativity that has defined his upward trajectory in the hospitality business. Why Nick has miniaturized himself with Lego figurines and a puppet named Bennett, and how these avatars figure into the way that Nick goes about educating and creating enthusiasm around cocktail trends that he cares about. Of course, we also talk about the fantastic beverage program at Porchlight, which is a Union Square hospitality group venue. It's a place where Nick has been able to experiment with lots of fun riffs on drinks from the cocktail dark ages, and he's excited to share with us what's on tap for 2022. Along the way, we explore why Nick is a Blue Curacao apologist, the Proustian memory of his great aunt's shaken Manhattan with spoiled vermouth, who one might encounter when questing for the underberg of destiny and the centrifuge of truth, and much, much more. Not only is this interview a fun core sample into the rise of the cocktail renaissance in New York, but it also sheds light on how great programs like Porchlight are emerging from the pandemic ready to greet guests once again. Nick is a fantastic role model for anyone who values creativity, nerdy passion, and a good sense of humor. And if you happen to be a hospitality professional in New York, there's some information toward the end of the interview that just might be interesting for you to learn. With that, please enjoy this lively interview with Portslight Beverage Director, New York Industry Veteran, and Master of Puppets, Nicholas Bennett. Nicholas Bennett, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Good morning. All right, so we're set to go. It looks like you've got some some nice sparkling water. I've got my coffee here. Um, we are mm. we're ready to rock and roll. On my like third cup of coffee already. <laughs> Fantastic. So uh, let's let's kick this off by having you introduce yourself to our guests. In brief, who are you and what do you do? So uh, good morning. My name is Nicholas Bennett. I'm the beverage director at Porchlight, uh, the uh, New York bar with a southern accent, uh, uh, part of Union Square Hospitality Group. Um, and I've been I've been in this industry for upwards of 20 years at this point. Uh, so enjoying my time with it all. Excited to be uh, talking with all of you right now. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, are, are you a Southern guy yourself? I seem to know that part of your bio occurs towards the end of Long Island, but are, are you a Southern boy yourself? I'm not. No, I started tending bar out, of, out in the Hamptons, actually, when I was 20, I think, not quite 21, uh, at a sports bar uh, that my uncle owned in Sag Harbor. Uh, 13 generations of my family are from out there. So uh, big, like small town vibe going on with us. Uh, nice. I start, he, he gave me the opportunity to jump behind a bar. I was busing at an Italian place beforehand and, and cleaning pools and doing everything that a, a, a good local boy does. Uh, 
in our in a resort um <laughs> in a resort town like Sag Harbor and uh I, I got the opportunity to start bartending and and, and had a absolute blast doing it just I mean, all it was was pouring shots and and popping open beers, uh, but it was it it was some the kind of thing that I never looked back from. It was so much fun to do, and I got to meet so many interesting people and uh, learn some interesting techniques and 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 drinks and so on and so forth. And it was just an absolute absolute blast. Now, I want to get into a little bit more of your bio here in just a moment, but. I seem to remember that there's another sort of like cocktail inflection point involving some brandied cherries. The brandy. Was, was there an aunt who made who made Manhattan's the wrong way, or am I completely misremembering uh, this? No, no, no. Well, so my my great aunt, uh, her name was Ensi, was the matriarch of the family for the longest time. She lived till she was just shy of her 98th birthday. I, like I said, it was my, it, it, I quote unquote say it's my uncle's bar. He was actually my mom's cousin. So it makes him my second cousin. I think I'm not sure. I can never really remember how all that stuff works. He was my uncle, but she was always the person who would come in and like, like would order a Manhattan. Like she, like I said, she lived till she was just shy of her 98th birthday, but she would come in every single day that I was working at the bar and order a Manhattan and she would have it with Canadian club and, and a, a, a terrible, the terrible vermouth that we had there. And I would shake the crap out of it, uh, and, and garnish it with a big old stemmed, uh, neon red cherry. But it, it's like the, I still think that I remember whenever I want a Manhattan, that those are the Manhattans that I really want the ones that she was drinking. And I, I like, I can never really recreate those ones, uh, because of because of nowadays, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's a it's a really good way to to state it, I think. Um, but but yeah, I, I I love that you got into bartending from sort of like the 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 most humble and like every man sort of setting, and then <laughs> you know you you set off on this journey through a number of other establishments that mm-hmm. were or have become legendary in their own rights. And I, I want to talk about that. And, you know, I, I sure. the question that I sent you was something to the effect of, you know, like in all of these various places that you work that are too numerous to, you know, kind of go into in full detail all on their own. Was there any through line that you picked up? And then as I was thinking about that, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, shit, was that the wrong question to ask, right? Like, should I instead be like thinking of this in more of like a Lord of the Rings thing or like a fantasy <laughs> trope where you were, you know, did Souther bequeath you with the underberg of destiny? Like, did Dave Arnold like give you- Just like holding one up. With, yeah, was yeah, there like-, like <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, I mean, it is sort of, you know, it's like a potion that you would drink. And then, then you know, did Dave Arnold, you know, give you a, a, a centrifuge that, you you know, you would later use to slay some sort of clarified concoction? I, I don't know. Um, so <laughs> so I, I guess maybe take us through some of these evolutions that, that are all very sure. different, right? There's a molecular mixology with Booker and Dax. Mm-hmm. There's sort of like the stirred and boozy and bitter with Amoria Margo. Like, how did you go from, you know, a guy in a resort town popping beers and pouring shots to where you have come to be today as the beverage director of Porchlight, which is a really important bar in today's New York drink scene? Yeah. Thank, uh, so, 
as much as I I would I love the idea the analogy of it being Lord of the Rings. I'm a, a really big Lord of the Rings fan. I'm so excited that you brought that up. I love that. I'm gonna try to work that into future stories forever. Uh, just to be clear, definitely gonna start working those into future stories. Uh, but but for the sake of right now, I think um, I think it has more to do honestly with the through line. Like so, while I was working out there making drinks for family, people that I grew up with for my entire time. All I was doing was making drinks for them because they knew me, they would come in and and I would I wanted them to have a good time while I was tending bar. And I like I was talking to I can't remember who I was talking to about this just very recently while I was working at the corner bar, the name of the, my uncle's bar is called the corner bar. It still exists there too. It's like one main street out in Sag Harbor. I was making cocktails for one of my mom's friends and I made her a cosmopolitan and I was trying to read the recipe out of a Mr. Boston and just butchered the cocktail. And I remember her saying to me and it coming back to my mom at some point saying, this was the worst cocktail I've ever had in my life. And I like, not that it, it didn't like devastate me, but it's always been there. Cause I didn't really know. I didn't care that much at the time. But I was like, in my head, I was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to try to make these things a little bit better. Um, and then I started hearing about these espresso martinis and I would bring fresh espresso from the local coffee shop in, uh, and make it for my friend Dave while I was there. Um, and learn and like started learning that people were using fresh juices instead of roses lime juice at it, like I'm we're, we're talking like 2002 so I'm like already maybe a year behind everyone like maybe not everyone but we're a year behind milk and honey and death and company and so on and so forth and then I watched a show called uh three sheets with Zane Lamprey I always kind of reference this show as that like turning point for me it's a a show that was on HGTV, or no, not HGTV, HDTV, I can't remember. It's a, a long since defunct TV channel that was interesting because it was in HD. Like, who cares anymore? Um, but the show was this comedian going around the world, learning about how people drink and learning about the drinking culture of of small areas and, and like, small areas being like Oaxaca and or Paris, like big in terms of drinking, but he would go there and talk about how these, how like champagne was made or how tequila was made and like how the people there drank it and not so much of like how we're all just doing shots and just getting wasted and like how do they drink it and how do they get over their hangovers? And I just thought it was like a pretty funny show, but it also really opened my eyes up that, I could, there was more to the Budweiser and JMO shots that I was pouring on a day-to-day -day basis. And it was kind of eye-opening. And from that point, I really started learning about cocktails and learning more about uh, how things are made and learning a lot more about the stories that, uh, that make them. And the, those are, I think, the three very, very important things that I took away from that at the the how it's made and the way to use them uh, and how to talk about them and how to really like tell the story behind them. And those are the things that I think really, really fascinated me about cocktails and spirits and what 
really drew me into um, the beverage world uh, and and less like less of like focusing on any one thing because there's so many so many amazing stories behind like how champagne is made or uh, tequila or Irish whiskey between Irish and Scottish whiskey. It's it's so fascinating. I absolutely love all of those stories. Um, I, it helped also that I was also uh, like writing for a newspaper in East Hampton and then was the Hamptons editor for Thrillist for an extended period of time. Um, and then through several like steps, I'm not really sure how like it got to it. Like, I ended up moving into a, a apartment in Brooklyn. So like going from Sag Harbor to Brooklyn, there's, there's stories involved in all that. We'll get through all that somehow, but we'll like just to cover all, uh, cover our bases. I ended up in Brooklyn living with former college roommates of mine and some really, really good friends. Uh, and we started running this supper club, which I, if, if you remember the early 2000s, these were huge. These were a lot of fun. And there were so many supper clubs coming around. And ours was called the Whisk and Ladle. It was actually one of those like godfather uh, supper clubs. It was such a, a weird thing to be involved in because suddenly there was just everyone doing it. We were uh, connected with a lot of those. And I ran the bar for it. Uh, and it was such a a fun little setup. We had ourselves a little bar, we had a really nice kitchen, and we would invite people into our apartment to have a, a five course meal with paired wines and a whole cocktail hour. Uh, and they were making spectacular food. And I, in order for me to kind of just like, not to justify it, cause I was there, I was gonna help out in any way I could, but justifying the cocktail hour had to really step my game up in terms of beverages and really started learning a lot more about using fresh ingredients and learning classic cocktails and got to meet a lot of very interesting people in the beverage world through inviting them into my home. And it made me feel like I was uh, like kind of holding court because I was at my in, in my own home, I was, my bedroom was right there. I could walk away if I needed to, but they were all coming to hang out with me. And I feel like that's another really important thing for me to remember and, and, and think, uh, element for me to have learned is I'm not like even at any bar that I was at, I was, it wasn't just inviting someone to a business. It was inviting someone into a place that I, I wanted them to feel good and and because it makes me feel good being there and i wanted to make sure that i can translate that into all of the bars that i was working at yeah i love that uh i, I love what you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago when you were describing like how you were about a year behind you know milk and honey and uh, all that i mean like bars in resort towns are still using roses lime juice like to this day i mean so like, oh yeah it's it's just funny. The um, quarter bar hasn't changed that much. It still uses roses lime juice. Maybe not quite as much anymore, but it still does. I'm sure. I'm sure. It's <laughs> it's just. I, it was. It's weird that I brought up the whole you know Lord of the Rings adventure thing too, right? Because you know like that woman who was a friend of your mother, who mm -hmm. made the point that your cosmopolitan was of poor quality Worst cocktail worst cocktail she'd ever had yes it's it's not just poor quality worst cocktail <laughs> i mean that, that's sort of like like there you are you're in the shire right and 
and and suddenly you know that's your call to adventure that that sets you off on the road and and you've got this you you have this uh this inspiration in this three sheets show that kind of you know get, gives you a direction points you off in in the direction mm-hmm. that you need to be heading and then by the time you get to brooklyn right mm-hmm. you you almost have your fellowship you've got these these other <laughs> folks who are making these amazing quality dishes and you're asked to kind of step up your game and mm-hmm. create the cocktail hour for this. Um, and so I, I haven't seen much information about this in some of the materials that I was reviewing to prepare for this interview, but was there anything noteworthy about these other folks that you were running the supper club with? Have they gone on to do like other crazy stuff in this world? Or was that just sort of like that time no. was just their time to shine? And, and then they've some, you know, somehow gone off and done other things since then. I mean, they've gone off and done like they've run a, a tutoring business. Uh, one's an attorney. One was uh, working or went to cla- uh, not culinary school for baking, but I'm not sure what she's doing. She doesn't live in New York anymore. Uh, I'm the, honestly, I'm the only one I think who really stayed in hospitality and really stayed in the, um, the restaurant world, but it's not that like, they're not fully part of it at all anymore. Like every one of us is really part of the the hospitality world. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so it seems like then you took that opportunity, right? to then go out and find like the the next, like what what's the next level of this? All right, so mm-hmm. I've got these classic cocktails. I've been making these for a little while, mastered them within the setting of my own home where I feel comfortable, I'm in control, mm-hmm. but I'm also probably better equipped than anywhere else in the world to convey hospitality unto my guests. Now, what happens <laughs> next? So I meet I, I end up meeting some very interesting people through the supper club. And I meet a friend of mine named Mayor, who at the time was starting to open up a bar. I mean, I like I started working at uh, the Vanderbilt out in Brooklyn with a friend named uh, Brian Floyd or Floyd. Uh, and I worked for a Michelin star chef uh, while I was there, which was spectacular and very eye opening. But when I met Mayor, who was opening a bar in the East Village, um, called Cien Fuegos. It was a, a, a rum-based punch bar. And then El Cobre was the one that was opening on the first floor, which was taking the idea of the rum and making it into individual cocktails. Um, and he was opening this one up and offered me a position while uh, on the opening bar team there. And it was a, a ton of fun. It was uh, I got to make my first real good daiquiris while I was there. Um, learned all about... Uh, rums and worked with some uh really interesting people like uh jane danger while i was there um and this is like everyone is pretty familiar with this location it you it was uh el cobre and then it became gin palace uh and then it became um uh now it's a moria margo reserve but before all of those it was uh el cobre and Next door, maybe a few months later on, uh, I met with uh, Souther. I'm trying to I think I'm getting this timeline right. I'm trying to make sure that I'm getting the timeline right. I met with Souther and Ravi, who were opening up the uh, the Little Bitters-based bar with Mayor as well. Mayor was involved in that as well, uh, but it was mostly with Ravi and Souther. 
And they were opening that one up. Uh, and I was like, yeah, cool. I want to learn more about Amaro too. I'm learning all about these rums. I'm learning all, I want to learn all about these other ingredients. So I was on the opening bar team with that as well. And through there met with uh, Chris Elford and Tristan Willie. And I made a, a, a lot of really great friends while I was there as well. And just like taking everything that I was learning and trying to make sure that I was being hospitable and, and welcoming while using these like individual ingredients. Like we didn't carry vodka at either one of those locations. And that was hard for guests to understand and hard for us to convey in a way that was, trust me, you guys will enjoy some of these cocktails, even though it's not gonna be your usual vodka soda. So please trust us and we will make you something really, really good. Yeah. So those were always a lot of fun. Uh, and then, like, like I said, it really starts to refine your, your palate on how you like, on like, then I'm starting to make daiquiris like almost daily. And like, you really get to like hone in like fresh juices and like the, the balance between the right kind of rums when you're using, like, I, it really helps you kind of dial in those nuanced, uh, techniques when you're using a very refined spirit list. Cause then you have to like make everything great, uh. Yeah, it's, yeah so. it's, it's why so many people use the daiquiri and the old fashioned and those simple three ingredient cocktails as their indicator drinks or, you know, their their test of quality at a given right. establishment or for a given bartender. Um, so yeah, it there's, makes there's sense. very little, very little room for error uh, if you're trying to make them right. But there's always a way to get them wrong. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is the, uh, the Anna Karenina principle for cocktails, <laughs> but, uh, so Very I, I want a literary podcast, by the way, Anna Karenina and, and, and Lord of the Rings. Love yeah. This. This is I mean, this is, this is just a regular <laughs> Tuesday morning for us here at modern bar cart. Um, uh, I, I want to take a little bit of a, of a hard left here. Uh, you can feel free to, to uh, sprinkle in details uh, about uh, your journey in the New York bar scene as, as they become relevant at any point. But I wanted to address another aspect of, I guess, your personal brand. You know, we've been talking <laughs> about the way you think about hospitality, the way you think about spirits education and the way mm -hmm. that you transact with guests to kind of gain that trust, but also give leave room for that surprise and delight that mm -hmm. is learning about different spirits and cocktails. Uh, and, you know, something that's interesting about you is, is that you have created a couple of versions of yourself in miniature. Uh, one of them being mm -hmm. a Lego and the other being a puppet. So I, I'm, I'm just uh -huh. going to give you that as a prompt Lego puppet cocktails sure. go so, so right there is a real reason behind all these things uh so honestly the the lego and the puppet are both gifts honestly they were both gifts to me uh by my now wife uh who just absolutely gets me and gets uh like how i kind of perceive the world and it just is one of those things like everyone has their little avatar and everyone has like the, this like image of what they look like on social media. So at the Lego was a lot more of how I kind of perceived myself in, in, in the social media world. I want, oh, hold on a second. I think it's still right back. Oh yeah, here we are. It's kind of always, always pretty much with me. 
little <laughs> mustachioed guy with a little sweater vest on, blue yeah. jeans. Um, hair is starting to fall out. Yeah, that's that's all about him. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was just one of those things. Like, I wanted I wanted to be able to do what everybody else do. Like everyone goes around, they take their picture and like their selfie of them with all the cocktails uh, in every bar. And I just wanted to like take me out of it, physically me out of it, but like keep a branded version of myself involved in all that. But like, what better way than uh, keeping a little version of myself in my pocket and just being like, hey, here I am, look at this. I'm at this bar having a great time. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, what ended up happening is is that became such a, a, a kind of an iconic version of me that like I, even, I my friend Brett would carry around other like a little shark version of himself uh and I would post a picture at a bar uh of the Lego Nick at large and so like and I would hang out for 30 minutes and then like suddenly he would be in there with the shark and it would attack the, the Lego and it was just one of those things where it became so much fun for us around the little New York bar scene to kind of just play off of each other. <laughs> and I ended up in a little like bar yearbook thing. And then what it evolved into is the the puppet, which there was this studio, like you could get custom versions of yourself uh, created at a business that's no longer around anymore. Uh, and my wife got me uh, the mustachioed version of, of me as a uh, as a as essentially a Muppet, which yeah. was a, a, an absolute blast. And I got that was that was years and years ago. Uh, and I've always in the back of my head had this idea of uh, a, a, a puppet vis- uh, video uh, teaching people how to like the bar world, like the like my version, the puppet version of uh, of three sheets, essentially like, hey, this is how you how you use this cocktail, how you use this uh, spirit. Um, and suddenly in 2020, I had some uh, some free time on my hands and, and I got to actually practice a, a bit of that. And I, I'm like uh, the the bar world. I, I am I'm uh, fortunate enough to say really, really latched on to it. And I, I'm very excited uh, to continue doing those. I actually just got a bunch more characters that I'm, I'm still practicing and, and figuring out how I'm going to roll those into actual future videos. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> I love I love the videos. I, I like the cast of characters. Is there a, is there a French sandwich? There is a French sandwich. He's not really French. He's he's more of just like a a, a baritone, like very just very newsworthy. Tells it how it is I gotcha. uh, with all this flapping around of the tomatoes and cheeses. Yeah, yeah, very <laughs> jowly. Um, yeah, that's uh, so. so I watched through a number of your videos. Uh, you know, you, you they're it, it, what I like is that, that they're not sort of like cocktail 101. It's not like how to shake a drink, how to stir a drink, how to sure. um, do X, Y, or Z. You pick a topic or uh, an ingredient and you go deep on it. And by the end of the video, you've sort of taken taken us to where we are today with this ingredient. Uh, mm-hmm. So we've got your sort of apology for Blue Curacao, which was a fantastic video. Um, I really enjoyed I that, that one as well as uh, I'm a huge chartreuse fan, uh, as are many people with palates. And uh, uh-huh. that, that was a great one as well. And the vodka, you know, you mentioned earlier <laughs> your 
the fact that the bars that you we were working in didn't have vodka behind the bar and uh, kind of mm. an example of what I was just saying about the video series is that, you know, you get this opportunity now to say like, well, you know, here we are in 2020, 2021, 2022. And that's not the way things work anymore. Vodka, you know, we've gotten we've gotten to that place where now we do know that there are other things out there that we can drink. And so, you know, vodka has its spot in cocktails, you know, but here's how you do it well, as opposed to completely eschewing it because it can only be done poorly. So so I like that (laughs) the video series is not only instructional, educational, but sort of gives us an inflection point on where we currently stand in the evolution of the cocktail revival or renaissance. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Near Country Provisions. I've been a customer for about a year now, and I can say without hesitation that the delivery of frozen farm fresh meat that I receive from Adam and his team makes me do a little happy dance every month. Not only does Near Country offer grass-fed beef and pasture-raised pork, but they also have an awesome selection of chicken and seafood. And the best part is it's all local and it's all sustainably farmed and harvested. You can customize every order or simply leave the selection in their capable hands like I do. Near Country even offers fun add-ons like bones for soups and stocks, as well as special holiday offerings like turkeys, brisket, and more. If you live in the Mid-Atlantic, that's D.C., Maryland, or Virginia, and you're sick of the same bland selection at the grocery store, or you're looking to drastically improve the quality of the protein in your diet, Near Country Provisions has you covered. Head over to nearcountry.com and enter the code BARCART, all one word, when you sign up for your subscription to receive two free pounds of bacon or ground beef in your first delivery. That's BARCART, B-A-R-C-A-R-T, all one word, at checkout. This is easily one of the biggest quality of life improvements I've made in the last year or two, so I hope you'll give Near Country Provisions a shot and let me know what you think. Now, back to the show. I also I'm I'm curious to know your thoughts on sort of perspective taking because what you do with Bennett this puppet is you actually get to converse with him or you use him <laughs> as a proxy for yourself talking about something for and sure. you know I've always thought that perspective taking is is a really important skill for anybody who interacts with other people quite a bit and I'm sure certainly for a bartender. So so what is it like to kind of have this avatar of yourself out there and then use this as an educational tool? Does that make any sense? It, it does. And it's, so that's, a, that's a really, really cool question. I, the, the idea that I actually have this other version that I can talk with allows me to essentially take, and, and it's kind of weird to say, but take my ego out of, the equation because, and I, I know I'm guilty of this. I've, I've, I've been, I've been called out on it a couple of times. Uh, and I, I appreciated it every single time that I got called out on it. I, I'm not behind the bar to make what I want to drink. That's ultimately it. I'm behind the bar to make what our guests want to drink. And like every once in a while, I always have to recenter myself on that. And like, I, I remember one uh, one time I was at while well, I was at Booker and Dax. I, someone came in, started making fun of, or not making fun of, was like talking about this great bar um, in 
Miami that was using uh, Fruit Loops in their cocktail, and I, I, I like completely poo pooed that, and I was just like, I said something about it. I don't remember what it was, but whoever was talking actually heard me say that, and like tweeted about it, like, oh, so mad about pretentious bartenders, and I responded, I was, I like, immediately was like, thank you, honestly, for calling me out because they were talking about Sweet Liberty, and I'm like. Who am I to, to to talk down about that bar? Like that's a spectacular bar doing spectacular drinks, uh, and I like I always try to think about that and internalize those moments and like really really take them to heart because I'm like I said I'm not making drinks for me behind the bar. I'm trying to make drinks for uh, our guests. And what Bennett does is allow me to like talk about it on like kind of would talk about to myself about like, what am I, why am I thinking about vodka in a specific way? Well, let's talk about that. Like, like what, what am I going to do with it? What do I want to do with it? Why should I do something with it? Like it's, I, it's, it's weird to say that I take my ego out of it with that because I'm literally just going to talk to myself about it and answer myself. And with a little, like with an actual ver version of myself, that's probably the most egotistical way of doing, going about it. But <laughs> I think it, it really does help me like come to grips with a lot of those kind of questions or at least pr uh, uh, show that I'm, I'm talking about that with someone instead of just telling the guest, no, you should be using vodka this way. Like there's a number of ways of using it or you can only use blue curacao in, in the gunmetal blue. No, there's a, a lot of delicious cocktails to be made with it. I like mine the best, uh, but here's some more. So, yeah, the other thing that you get with that, with being able to rehearse what you're going to say with like an avatar, as if you're having a conversation with yourself, is that you can be wrong, realize mm -hmm. it and not have anybody overhear you. <laughs> and it, it, yeah. it, it's a it's a rehearsal technique. And it really is a you know, it's, a, it's almost like a Socratic dialogue with yourself. If you're saying like, all right, vodka. What do I want to right. say about vodka? What is there to yeah. say about vodka? What shouldn't I say? Right. Yeah, it, it's a it's it a really also, interesting refinement process. It also gives me the opportunity to say what more than I like more versions of what I want to say about it. Like I, I like I I don't. I'm just going to keep going back to vodka since that's the topic that we keep coming back to on it. Like like vodka makes a great shaken cocktail. It's delicious, so we can use vodka in that. But like, I mean, you could stir it, makes a, a delicious Manhattan or a, sorry, martini with that. Like, I like, and hold all your angry letters. It makes a delicious martini. I don't care what you have to say about it. Um, I, I, I like, I'm making it for our guests and our guests, our guests like vodka martinis. So I'm going to make them the best vodka martini I possibly can. Uh, so. is, the, is that like, is that your, your little way of, of kind of making up for that uh, erstwhile cosmopolitan? Constantly. I actually <laughs> constantly trying to make up for that one. Uh, I actually did get a chance to redeem myself with that too. We have a Cosmo on the menu at Porchlight and uh, my mom's friend uh, ended up coming in and, and having a Cosmopolitan. Like she like specific, like didn't specifically ask for it. I was like, you're having one and I want to know what you think about it. Uh, and, and it was, she was very happy with it. And, and I'm, I'm pleased to say, told my mom, 
that she was very happy with that cocktail. So my mom was very proud of me. So good, good. That's uh, I think I think this uh, this checks uh, one of the bingo boxes with our uh, mutual friend uh, Gia. Uh, she's, she, she was, uh, going back and forth <laughs> with me about your, your, your relationship with your mom and how proud of you she is. So, uh, that, that, constantly that's constantly trying to make sure that she's proud of me on behind the bar. I love it. I love it. Well, you just mentioned porch light. Uh, so I think uh-huh. the logical place for us to go now is, um, sure. to talk a little bit about union square hospitality group, what they do, uh, for people who are not familiar with the New York bar scene, why they're important, of course. And, um, you know, tell me what you're excited about right now in terms of, porch light. I mean, it's a, you know, just walk us through the bar and, and, you know, kind of like what a, you know, a Nicholas Bennett bar program at a bar with a Southern accent looks like. So one of the things that I, I really love being like, I, like I said, I've been bartending uh, in this industry for upwards of 20 years at this point. So I've got to see a lot of like ebbs and flows of drink trends and cocktails that people love and swear by and then don't ever have again. Uh, and you can see which ones kind of stick and which ones everyone's going to ultimately come back to. And I, one of the things that I love being able to do with the, the bar program at Porchlight is to really uh, revisit a lot of those cocktails that either were created in, during the 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 dark ages of of the cocktail timeline uh calling disco cocktails the disco era cocktails and revisit cocktails that are just kind of considered finished at uh, for some reason or other things like our manhattan at the at porch light is i think one of the best manhattans that i've ever had uh short of the ones that my aunt nc was was drinking uh but we use a, a bit more of a maximalist approach to it. Maybe not quite every bottle on our back bar, but we do a blend of two rye uh, and a blend of two vermouth and then the bitters in them. And it's absolutely delicious. It's so much more, I, like it's very well balanced um, and it hits all the right flavor notes like floral and grainy rye and uh, cola and bitter vermouths and, and all of those flavors. It really kind of dials in all the flavors that we really, really want in those. Or we get to play around with cocktails like the 7 and 7 or the Long Island Iced Tea, uh, where we take a look at the recipe and really look at what makes that cocktail enjoyable, what makes that cocktail delicious, and then play with a recipe in a way that makes it that much more interesting, that much more approachable, and that much more porch light. Like our seven and seven uses seven different whiskeys to really blend it all together. And then we make a citrus syrup. Uh, Same thing with our Long Island iced tea. The whole thing is on draft too. And we get to dial up the actual spirits, making using better spirits than just the four bottle pickup that everyone is familiar with. And then top with roses and a splash of cola. Like we actually get to dial in the recipe in a way that makes it uh, that much more approachable and that much more delicious. And honestly, that better for our guests while not being that kind of like, oh, this isn't at all what I thought it was going to be. It's still exactly what you expect it to be with a seven and seven on the Long Island iced tea, but it's also that much more delicious, better, uh, approachable. 
I, I love the uh, revival of, of old cocktails. I'd love, uh, have you done a, a Harvey Wallbanger yet? I have. We did a Harvey Wallbanger. We've done a couple of different versions of the Harvey Wallbanger. We did one called the Harvey Headbanger way, way early on where we acid adjusted some orange juice uh, using a technique that I picked up while I was with Booker and Dax using uh, citric and malic acid in the orange and then some uh, cranberry bitters uh, and and obviously some Galliano. We also did uh, a frozen version of that uh, last year, I believe it was. Yeah, it was. It would have been last year. Uh, time has no meaning at this point. Uh, <laughs> try to keep these timelines kind of like locked in. I, I love Galliano. I think it's a spectacular ingredient. And yeah. the problem that I, I I I see right now is that things like things like the Harvey Wallbanger, or the um, um, Rusty Nail, or the Godfather. These are all, all these cocktails. Like we could start to see people starting to reuse those ones. But I've I've loved these cocktails, and I've I've been trying to play around with these cocktails for a couple of years because like they're not bad cocktails. They're just kind of poorly made, and I, we can make them well using the techniques that we've learned over the past twenty years all the spectacular ingredients that we can now use that are now at our disposal. Like we can make these cocktails better. We can make them like a $6 million man, like better, make them be that much better. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like, uh, you know, if we think of these cocktails as sort of like, you know, you get a toothache or you get, you get like a, a an infection on the frontier in the, in, you know, in the 1800s, the best you can hope for is that somebody hacks off your leg, uh, or, <laughs> right. or, uh, you know, like, you know, <laughs> otherwise you're kind of going to die. Uh, now we have, now we have like uh, broad spectrum antibiotics, uh, you know, little, little exactly. bit of acid, like malic acid, citric acid, it's powder you buy on Amazon. Uh, yeah. not that difficult to make orange juice suddenly like a, not a wet paper bag of a citrus juice. Like <laughs> it's completely feasible. Uh, it just wasn't when the cocktail was invented and that's okay. You know, the expectations exactly. were different. So Tell me a little bit about, I guess, what you have planned. Uh, Porchlight is like not the newest bar on the block, not the oldest bar on the block. Uh, you know, you have mm -hmm. um, you have the opportunity now that things are beginning to open back up. We're we're actually you know welcoming guests back. How is that mm -hmm. going? What are your big plans? What are you excited about? Uh. I mean, we're it's going very well at Porchlight, honestly. Like we, we, we've seen a lot of groups coming back, and that's one of the funner aspects of Porchlight. I mean, there's a lot of really fun aspects of Porchlight, but we get to really hone in how we deal uh, and how we welcome guests uh, and groups of guests into Porchlight. So we can we get to see a lot of like the after work crowd or birthday parties and, and, and larger amounts of people. We get to see all that kind of come in and it allows us to really make large amounts of cocktails and like really volume, keep these things flying out the, off the bar. And I, it's just great to be able to welcome everyone back. Honestly, like all the businesses, it, it gives us the, a really good litmus test to see how well the city is doing. Uh, and as we start to see more of these groups coming back and more of the business coming back and more people showing up at Porchlight, it really kind of uh, gets me excited about the future of 
New York and, and, and the, the resurgence of New York as, as a, a bar scene. Mm. Um, and Porchlight allows us to, uh, is a great way for us to, uh, like I said, a, a good litmus test to really kind of see that happening. And then in terms of this year, I'm just excited. I'm really excited to uh, really like, yeah, like I invite everybody back in uh, and get to have a lot of that fun again. Yeah, it's uh, something yeah. that I think everyone's really craving. Uh, one thing that that mm-hmm. reminds me of is something I heard Souther say once about his approach to hospitality. And in, in what he said was that when somebody walks through the doors at Amoria Margo, it's a small space, so they have this luxury. But mm-hmm. the, the the two things that they get within ten seconds of walking through that door are eye contact and a glass of water. And so I'm wondering if there is like you, you've had the chance to kind of shape shift your way through all of these different versions of what a cocktail bar looks like now that you're at your most recent sort of resting place in Porchlight, what does your version of hospitality look like? What, what, what are the hallmarks of a Nick Bennett bar program when it comes to the guest experience? I mean, not entirely different from Southers. It's always the the eye contact. That greeting is always so important. Like, like either there's always going to be someone at the door welcoming someone into Porchlight or welcoming someone into like any of the other bars that I've been involved in. Uh, there's always going to be that like, "Hi, welcome. Come on in. Let's get you seated somewhere. We'll have a glass of water to, uh, at your table right away." And it's one of those. One of, it's just that like initial greeting that I think is so so important, and it's we do it so well at Porchlight that I I have a hard time seeing Souther do it better. <laughs> Throwing the gauntlet down, Souther. <laughs> no. Yeah, you've been you've um, been challenged. Challenge accepted. Uh, and then I one of the other things that I like to be able to do is is like I I want them to be able to open up a a, a menu and be able to see something on there that will jump out at them. It's impossible to make a, a, a bar everything for everyone, but I, I like to try to do as much of that as I can. Like we always have the, the something spicy or uh, something stirred and boozy. And I, our menu at Porchlight, I think is really, really uh, a great example of how we can create a, 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 a format of a way that people can like find something that they're going to really connect with in terms of a beverage. We have Boilermakers on there. We have shaken cocktails that are light and refreshing, stirred cocktails that are a little bit, uh, a little bit boozier, classic cocktails, and then seasonally appropriate cocktails. Yeah, that's uh, an aspect of menu design that I've always been very intrigued with because it if you look at it from the perspective of either a beverage director or a large hospitality group, you're mm-hmm. trying to get as many units pushed through as possible. So the less time a guest has to s- spend sifting through a menu and looking for mm-hmm. the looking for something, anything they might like, um, if you can quickly get them to that thing by either using descriptors like light and refreshing or, you know, stirred Mm -hmm. and boozy or spicy, like things, things like that, or the seat, you know, you you always have those seasonal thrill seekers, right. Who always, who, who, you know, really take their cue from the seasons. 
that's just smart, not only from a guest experience standpoint, but from a unit economic standpoint of like less time staring at the menu is more time, you know, maybe one extra drink you can get out of that mm-hmm. on average. Um, well, yeah. One of the things like when we first opened at Porchlight, I was coming just from Booker and Dax and the, like Booker and Dax was it, it, you had the opportunity to like really sit and talk with the guest. There was only 30 some odd seats in there and you like everyone had to be seated. So you were really able to talk through the entire menu with the guests when they come in at Porchlight, we learned really fast that the guests did not need that. They wanted to come in and have a great cocktail and a great experience, but maybe not necessarily a, a long winded conversation about why we're using a specific brand of tequila or something along those lines. And we learned that one really, really fast. And it was, it was definitely eye opening to see that because uh, I had come from Booker and Dax and it was just like a, like five years there. And now, we were in such a, a much more of a volume series uh, uh, situation. It was eye-opening and it was great to really kind of figure out how to pivot that really fast and, and make what the guests really, really wanted. Uh, and again, just take my ego out of that. I would have uh, I would have been like, oh, we're going to stir all of these old fashions really, really slowly and accurately. But then none of our guests would have come back. So it was able, it was a really wonderful, wonderful opportunity to really learn from the guests as well. Like I like learning everything I can out of everybody who comes into our bar Uh, and it's, it's so much fun. Well, I've had a really good time sort of jumping around, jumping forward and backwards in time, jumping around, you know, from Harvey Wallbangers and Cosmos to uh, how much I enjoyed watching uh, you make the the gunmetal blue on the, uh, the, Puppet right. Tavern. Is there anything that we missed that you would just hate to wrap up this podcast without making sure our listeners knew about Porchlight, about what you've got going on in your life, whether it's with Bennett the Puppet or Nick the Lego at large? Uh, anything that we forgot to cover that we really should make sure we get to? I don't, uh, nothing that jumps out at me right now. I'm just, I'm, I'm like super excited about the the upcoming summer honestly like warm weather's coming today i know that today the the city is voting on whether or not they're going to allow outdoor to be permanent i i like i think it's going to stay and i'm excited to bring out bring back the outdoors at porch light because that's going to be a ton of fun we're kind of we're talking about maybe a little bit more volume we're going to be hiring on a bunch more people and we get to have a really great time working with people at porch light and it's it's one of those moments in time where like we're getting to get real like we're getting excited about what the rest of the year is going to be uh going to be like and we're going to really start making moves on that what those moves are we're still figuring out but it's so much it's like that kinetic energy is really really building up and we're getting to be really excited about it and we're in a scenario where it's like we've got so many wonderful people on our team right now that we get to that are starting to tr- like pivot to new roles and and there's so much growth within the uh within the business that both professionally and physically and creatively that we're we're able to uh 
really like it's just you can feel all the the, the new elements just bubbling at the uh, at the base. And I'm so excited about it all right now. Like I yeah. can't I get like the next few months are going to be uh, an absolute blast. I can't yeah. Wait. Well, and it's so funny, too, because that used to be a recurring thing around this time of year. To the point uh, where it was like, maybe like, ooh, like getting kind of excited for the spring cocktails. But because we haven't had a year for two years, now it's yeah, like, sure. now it's like, oh man, like you're, you're, you're literally shaking right now with excitement. Uh-huh. Uh, so, oh so I'm, I'm excited for you. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a service industry adjacent, adjacent service industry uh-huh. support staff, I like to say. So <laughs> I, I, I avoid some of the risks, but I also avoid some of the, uh, so that some of the rewards that, that you're kind of ex- explaining right now. So mm-hmm. uh, it sounds like now is a great time. If you're somebody who's in the New York area, who is interested in maybe, you know, checking out what a career might look like. Yeah, Porch Light might be a bar you want to look into, a Union Square Hospitality Group in general. Um, and mm-hmm. I am super excited to see what other tricks you have up your sleeve as things roll out and get warmer here. Uh, as, as, a, as, a, as a gent who uh, tended bar by the beach, uh, I think that you probably get excited by warmer weather sort of by default. Kind of have to. I mean, like, it's hard to say as a, as a ginger, I'm also just like <laughs> warmer weather means just covered in sunblock. So we'll, we'll see how I, like I get to stay in, I stay indoors though. So warmer <laughs> weather, but I'm, I'm indoors all the time. So that's good. That's, that's smart. <laughs> um, all right. With that, let's jump into the lightning round here. First question was going to be, what's your favorite cocktail? But I happen to know that you are a martini guy. So Martini. You enjoy a martini. What's your call yes. martini? Ooh, 50-50 Plymouth uh, and dry vermouth. Ooh. With a little bit of uh with a little bit of orange bitters in there and a lemon okay. twist. Express and discard or simply express and leave in? Uh express and leave in. That's I I mean that or I like that or a Gibson with a mass gin. I like oh god, it's such a tough question. Like it, it depends on where I'm at, who I'm with, time of year. We'll see. Yeah. And how drunk I want to get. I don't know. Like, we'll see. That's the, the beauty of the martini. Like, the beauty of the martini is there are so many versions of it. My favorite move is when I go to a bar that has a clear ice program and that they, and that like doesn't charge extra for it, like ob- quite obviously. And, mm-hmm. the, you know, like I trust the bartenders. Like I'm, I'm kind of like a, I'm like a four to one on, on the rocks kind of guy where it's like, nice, give, me, give me, give me a rocks glass, nice big cube and give, right. me, give me something dry, but with, still with some good, still with enough acidity to make it, you know, interesting and just let that, let that kind of sit there for a little bit. Take, you know, All right, that's, on that's the rocks. Move. Do you take a do you take an olive in that then? No, no, just the twists. So Ooh, it's basically right. a martini that looks like an old fashioned. <laughs> I don't know. Sure, it's kind of cool. Uh, all right, next question: What is a seemingly small or idiosyncratic event or occurrence that always makes your day? Like my, my coffee, honestly. Like I just like my first cup of coffee for the day. Like if I don't get that, I'm I'm it's my day is pretty much ruined. I'm gonna say, like. But having enough coffee beans to just like I go through the whole process too, like grinding myself, uh, French press style, boil water, pour over, blah blah blah, all that sort of stuff. Like that has to happen in order to make my day. If it doesn't, then I I probably won't leave the house. 
It's interesting that you're, this is one of our newer questions and you're not the first person to say that, which makes me wonder if there are ways for people to ritualize other aspects of their day that are sort of recurring in default because coffee mm -hmm. could be as simple as just pushing a button or using well, a K-cup, but it seems like the ritual that you're describing is like something that's deeply comforting. And that's uh, the, the whole part of it. Like it's like, like if I'm, if I were to take that out, maybe it's making the bed or uh, the ritual of having a little tea or something like that in the morning um, or shaving every day, just like completing a task is the important part of it. And like a French press grinding all my beans, that's a, a, and there's like a large portion of like, it's almost 15 minutes where I have to actually like start to think about things. I would have to like measure out the beans. I have to make sure I don't burn myself. Uh, and the cats as they're running around underneath <laughs> my feet. Like I, there's, there are elements to it that I have to like really focus. And it honestly, it brings my day back and then I get caffeinated and that's, the, the better part of part of the whole thing. So absolutely. Uh, next question, cocktail with anyone past or present, who would it be? Where would you go? What would you drink? Just paint us a picture. I would, I, I honestly, I've, I've, I couldn't say past. I right now, if I were to pick someone, it would be David Sedaris. I really, really David or Amy Sedaris, either one of them, I think would be a lot of fun to have a cocktail with. I'm not sure that either one of them drink, unfortunately. So that's probably a never going to happen. That's the only reason why it's never going to happen. Uh, just it. That's the only reason why it will never happen is because they don't drink, I don't think. Uh, but I feel like conversations with them would be hilarious and a lot of fun. Honestly, it, like the and very intelligent as well without like being like overly heady or anything like that. I feel like it would just be a really wonderful, witty, smart conversation about daily life and creativity mm -hmm. is what I think it would be like. I might be entirely wrong. That's why I never meet my, never meet your idols. Yeah, exactly. It occurs to me that a lot of things that you and I have talked about during this conversation revolve around life as low pressure art with a low consequence self-destruct button in that it's like, <laughs> you know, your, your great aunt Manhattan was art. You still think of it with great fondness and with a almost mm -hmm. Proustian Madeleine sensibility, but it had a self-destruct button in that it was horrible. Oh, like, yeah you know, just completely yeah. oxidized vermouth, et cetera. Oh and, yeah. That sat on the counter the entire time. Yeah. So, and, and, and she just, was the only one who used it. So it's just <laughs> interesting that, you know, like that, that your sense of your sense of creativity, right? Like what, like how did you end the, the chartreuse video with Joaquin Simon? Right. You, you Bennett asks, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all right, so, so what's in it then? And then, and then, you know, he just, gets told to get out of here and, you know, they throw something at him and he runs away out the door. Right. So, you know, they, they, they get this, this whole video kind of like talking about the art and craft of, of, of chartreuse, this very mm -hmm. serious cocktail ingredient. And then it ends with, uh, with uh, Bennett getting kicked out of the bar uh, unceremoniously. Right. And, uh, yeah. and that's, that's one of the things that I, I really enjoy about you, your <laughs> personal brand is that it's, 
everything, you know, the, the, the revival of, uh, you know, a seven and seven in a very, a, a silly cocktail in a taken seriously, right? There's this sort Absolutely. of seriousness and lightheartedness that turns over on itself like a motor. And that seems to hmm. propel a lot of the projects that you do. So it's, it's what Thank I really man. appreciate about you. And, uh, you know, it's what I appreciate having been able to take away from this conversation. I, I, I think of myself having never been to Porchlight, looking really forward to doing that next time I'm in New York, because Please that's, do. The kind of, sometime. that's the kind of thing I want in a bar. I like, I like <laughs> that. I like the playfulness. So I guess the last question Same. here in the lightning round is, do you have any controversial views in the spirits and cocktail world? Hmm. I would probably say my, uh, a controversial view of mine would be that uh, recipes don't necessarily have to be finished. Uh, like, I, it may not sound all that controversial, but then, like, is a martini or a Manhattan recipe, is there, like, one way to make that? I really don't think so. I think there are more categories than they are actual cocktails at this point. Same with, like, the old-fashioned. Like, we can go back and say what the exact original recipe for it is but why would we have that when we have why would we have that original recipe when we can make it so many different ways for our guests or like the french 75 is it made with gin or cognac i know how i feel about that one like but i do i like and i don't know how i and i know how i have our bartenders at porchlight make them but does that mean that the gin or the cognac is the correct recipe like that's i don't think that any one of those recipes is correct i think it's only right uh for the business and the guest more than it is for the bartenders and the recipe itself does that make sense i mean like it's 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 not the kind of thing that i think is uh like a a, a rusty nail it i guess was originally one-to-one -one, but it like who cares about that recipe? That recipe is terrible. So let's make it better, but still, like, it, it could still be a rusty nail. I just think that, that there's so many recipes out there that everyone's like, oh, you can only make it this way. It's the only way to make it. Uh, no, it's not. There's a lot of different ingredients that we can use it, can use for that recipe to make it that much better or better for the bar or better for the guest and still have our guest feel like they're ordering something with confidence. So that's, that's, that's my controversy right there. Well, I, 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 sadly it is controversial because it makes things more difficult. It, you know, it, it's, it's less, you know, black and white, it's less clear lines, a little bit blurrier. It is, but I think what rescues it is it reminds me of sort of like in the beginning of meditation, the softening of the gaze. If you soften the gaze, right. then a rusty nail sure. is not necessarily a one-to-one -one ratio of drambuie mm -hmm. to whiskey. It is perhaps just a friendly ratio of drambuie right. to whiskey, whatever that friendly right. ratio happens to be in a given moment. I, so I go with half, half of an ounce. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. absolutely. <laughs> um, well, Nick, thank you so much for sharing all this with us. I, I love the, the stories. I love the creativity. Um, how can our listeners get in touch with you and follow you and Porchlight in the digital space? You can reach out to Porchlight on social media at uh, Porchlight Bar. Uh, and myself uh, is the Nick B at all at, uh, on all social media on 
Twitter or Instagram and I don't have a TikTok or anything like that, but uh yeah. And then uh and- Puppet Tavern is on YouTube. Nick Bennett Nick the Nick B's Puppet Tavern, I think is what it is. I've, it's been a little while since I was on there, but and email uh, you can uh, and Bennett at ushg.com. I respond awesome. to all my emails, so that is that is a brave thing to do in today's world. Um, Bring it on. I will link to all the socials on the show notes page over at modernbarcart.com forward slash podcast. We'll have probably one or two embedded videos so that you can check out some of the, uh, some of the Bennett exposés <laughs> that we, we mentioned. Sure. Um, and for all of you listening, thank you for tuning in. And Nick, thank you so much for being a guest here on the Modern Bar Cart Podcast. Thank you for having me. It's great to see you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, there's two big things you can do for us here at Modern Bar Cart. One would be to tell your friends and family if you think they'd enjoy listening to us talk about cocktails. And if they don't download podcasts, they can always stream our episodes on their desktop directly from the show notes page at modernbarcart.com. The other thing you can do to help would be to head on over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and leave us a review. Five stars are great, but we're more interested in your feedback. And the beauty is, the more reviews we have, the easier it will be for other folks out there to learn about our show. We're trying to start a cocktail revolution here, and by spreading the word, you're helping us fight the good fight. You can always reach us by emailing podcast at modernbarcart.com if you're looking for cocktail or bartending advice, or if you're a pro who would like to pull up a mic and be interviewed for all to hear. Also, definitely follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Modern Bar Cart for cocktail porn, recipes, and entertaining tips. And keep an eye out for new product releases and special offers, which are happening all the time. We love our listeners and we really enjoy giving you exclusive discounts and sneak peeks at our latest and greatest cocktail projects. This episode may be over, but for you, the mixological fun and adventures are just beginning. So remember folks, drink responsibly and experiment boldly. This episode was made possible with editing and sound design by Samantha Reed, bartending and cocktail insights courtesy of Nicholas Bennett, beverage director of Porchlight in New York City, and a little bit of interview magic by yours truly. This has been a Modern Bar Cart production, copyright 2022.